excerpts from chapter 1 compromise in may 1949 with the enactment of the indian constitution only months away the future status of the princely state of jammu and kashmir remained indeterminate like the 554 other princely states jammu and kashmir had signed the instrument of accession with india by virtue of this instrument jammu and kashmir formally became a part of the indian dominion and accepted the general jurisdiction of the indian government in practical terms like with the other signatory states the union would only have control over defense foreign affairs and communication all the other matters for legislation would remain with the maharaja however the signing of this instrument of accession by maharaja hari singh of jammu and kashmir was neither routine nor conclusive unlike a majority of the princely states jammu and kashmir had not formally acceded to india before 15 august 1947 when india became independent its accession was signed and accepted on the 26 and 27 of october 1947 when the state was on the brink of collapse cognizant of the internal fragility of jammu and kashmir india unilaterally declared that the state succession would ultimately be determined by a reference to the people this was a significant concession without precedent in india's dealing with the other princely states this was the genesis of the idea that only a plebiscite could conclusively determine the future of the state a plebiscite having been contemplated jammu and kashmir unlike the other princely states did not enter into a second instrument of accession this instrument was a necessary step in any princely state's full accession to india every other state signed an instrument which gave the indian government powers over all matters in the union list at par with the provinces of british india not just foreign affairs defense and communications which had already been transferred it also did not contain any residuary clause that kept sovereignty with the maharaja it was amply clear in the case of these states that they would soon cease to exist and become fully integrated with india jammu and kashmir was nowhere close to such integration vast swaths of jammu and kashmir territory remained effectively under pakistani control this included major towns such as muzaffarabad and skardu in kashmir and kotli bimber mirpur adjacent to punch consequently a military stalemate ensued with matters at an impasse india decided to approach the united nations security council or the unsc on 1 january 1948 asking for pakistan to be declared an aggressor together with a complete cessation of hostilities in hindsight this turned out to be a spectacular misadventure the united nations or un expanded the scope of its reference and began mediating in the matter as if it were a bilateral dispute far from determining the question of whether pakistan was an aggressor as was referred to it the unsc particularly through the united nations commission for india and pakistan or uncip which it had sent to india attempted to deescalate tensions through withdrawal of all armed personnel making conditions conducive to the holding of a plebiscite 
While this might have been an acceptable course of action if India and Pakistan had asked for such a mediation, in reality, neither had. Further, with the UNCIP having effectively asked both the Indian Army, which was a sovereign army in its own territory, and Pakistani tribesmen, who were occupiers, to withdraw, considering both at the same level, India was convinced of the unfairness of the entire exercise. Despite the ostensible failure of a UN-brokered resolution on the issue, both India and Pakistan agreed to a ceasefire which became effective from 1 January 1949. On this basis, a ceasefire, now popularly known as the LOC, was drawn in July of the same year. It was clear henceforth that India would not be able to militarily retake all of Kashmir without breaching an international agreement. Neither would a statewide plebiscite, despite calls for it being made by all parties, be a realistic possibility given that the entire state was not under a single administration committed to this idea. Unsurprisingly, with the state being in disarray, an external force legally occupying substantial parts of its territory and a diplomatic foray that had backfired, all questions relating to its complete integration with India and the mechanics of how that might work had taken a back seat. Internally, too, Jammu and Kashmir was riven. For over a decade, an intense conflict has been brewing between Maharaja Hari Singh and Sheikh Abdullah, the leader of the National Conference, the largest popular movement in the state. Hari Singh accused Abdullah of a campaign of vilification and foul calumny against him in a letter to Patel and used far less parliamentary language in private. Abdullah too thought that Hari Singh was an autocrat, predisposed to the policy of divide and rule and claimed that his life was a continuous pursuit of pleasure. The intense mutual dislike between the Maharaja and Abdullah was arguably driving much of this conflict. But it was only a proxy for a deeper historical conflict between Dogra Hindu kings from Jammu on the one side and their poorer Kashmiri Muslim subjects on the other. The hostilities were based on a lethal combination of religion, region and class. As a Muslim educated in Aligarh Muslim University, Sheikh Abdullah, together with a few co-religionists, started a reading room for Muslim boys in Srinagar. Their movement shot into prominence with a skirmish in 1931, where Muslims in the valley, for the first time in recent history, actively demonstrated against the Maharaja. This was the beginning of a two-decade-long struggle for wrestling a less prosperous Muslim-majority Kashmir from the yoke of the Dogra rulers from Jammu. This deep-rooted antipathy meant that even after Abdullah was released by Hari Singh, tensions did not abate. India had recommended that post-accession, the Maharaja follow the Mysore model of power-sharing with the representative government. This entailed the establishment of an interim government composed of popularly elected leaders with the Maharaja as the constitutional head. The interim government would eventually set up an elected assembly to formulate the future constitution of the state, with certain subjects of legislation reserved for the Maharaja's discretion both in the interim period and in the ultimate constitution.
to make the mysore model work in jammu and kashmir the indian government sent n gopalaswami ayangar to hold extensive discussions with hari singh and abdullah ayangar was a former civil servant whose time as jammu and kashmir's prime minister had given him considerable insight into the functioning of the state more recently in december 1946 Ayangar had been involved in negotiations with rulers of the princely states of India held in order to determine the methodology of their participation in the constituent assembly Ayangar was also part of the drafting committee of the constituent assembly of India and would go on to lead India's delegation to the UN regarding the Kashmir dispute in 1948 Given the uncertainty surrounding the state's constitutional position There was a sense of urgency in these discussions. It was immediately agreed that the state should have an interim government headed by Abdullah, ultimately responsible to the Maharaja. It was also agreed that the interim government would eventually convene an assembly to formulate a new constitution. Such a constitution would provide for responsible government under the Maharaja, a bicameral legislature. protection of minority and depressed classes joint responsibility of and minority representation in the council of ministers and the inclusion of certain reserved subjects which would be at the sole discretion of the maharaja as per the mysore model a series of extensive communications between abdullah hari singh and the indian leadership in new delhi culminated in the maharaja's proclamation of 5 march 1948 the proclamation established an interim government with abdullah as the prime minister appointed by royal warrant this government would function as a cabinet with joint responsibility and have a diwan as the maharaja's nominee the proclamation also envisaged that a constitution would be eventually framed by a national assembly which would be elected on adult franchise with proportional representation of constituencies this constitution would be subject to the maharaja's approval and would provide for minority protection and freedom of conscience speech and assembly no express mention of reserved subjects was made in the proclamation since they already found mention in the existing constitution of the state which was still in force Despite the temporary truce marked by the issuance of the proclamation it was clear to the Indian government that Hari Singh and Abdullah would not be able to work together for long 18 months after acceding to India the time and energy of Indian leaders and their counterparts in Jammu and Srinagar were largely spent on resolving these bitter internal differences This had to be done without jeopardizing India's position externally. Between overseeing India's case at the UN and playing peacemaker in Jammu and Srinagar, it was unsurprising that no Indian leader had given any serious consideration to the place of Jammu and Kashmir in the Indian constitution. Given the uncertainties of the existence of the state itself and the travails of its political leadership, there really had been no occasion to specifically determine the contours of its relationship with india by this time there was only a general sense that jammu and kashmir would be a part of the union of india subject to its ultimate destiny being determined by the people of jammu and kashmir themselves 
This was exactly the same position that had been stated by Lord Mountbatten in his reply to Hari Singh accepting the state's instrument of accession. A lord of water of the Jhelum had flowed under the Kohala Bridge in the interim, but constitutionally speaking, as is evident, very little had actually happened. The relationship between Jammu and Kashmir and India was a precarious compromise, but a constitutional clean slate.